Hello and welcome to this episode of Talking Indonesia. My name is Gemma Purdy from Monash University. In my last podcast on women and activism, I spoke with Intan Paramadita about the state of women's activism in Indonesia in the midst of a conservative turn that has seen a particular focus on women's bodies and non-traditional sexualities. In this podcast, we continue this conversation and explore the ways in which issues like these are being shared and communicated beyond the conventional media. What is the state of the mediascape in Indonesia today? And how has digital media in particular created spaces for a diversity of views? What does an Indonesian feminist publication look like? My guest today is Devi Asmarani, chief editor of the online magazine Magdalene, which publishes under the tagline, A Slanted Guide to Women's Issues, and calls itself a feminist web magazine. Magdalene publishes in both English and Indonesian, and has a growing readership, both inside and outside Indonesia. Hi, Devi. Thanks so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia. Hi, how are you? Great. And Mm -hmm. so pleased to have met you and be able to interview you today to talk to you about your fabulous online magazine, Magdalene. But I just wanted to, first of all, open up and ask you a question more broadly about the mediascape in Indonesia now and even looking back a few years to when you started the magazine. How would you describe it? Would you describe it as open and diverse or was something lacking? Yeah, well, I'm just going to go back to the uh, the year when we started. At the time, I think it's not as diverse as it is today. The media is uh, pretty much still what you would call mainstream. I'm particularly talking about the online media. There's a lot of general news and the perspective is still very mainstream, very male-oriented. I would say it doesn't represent the whole spectrum of uh, readers. Right now, today, we've seen a lot more different stuff coming, you know, uh, whether they're in the form of like blogs, similar to Magdalene. You know, there's a lot of different alternative perspectives being spread in through a, the digital uh, yeah, media. Yeah, digital media. So yeah, it's becoming a lot more diverse at least. So even, yeah. so we're talking 2013 when you, when you first started the magazine. So yeah. people, there was a lot of blogging going on, that kind of sharing was yeah. happening already. Yes, yes. But also a lot of the perspective that is, that is out there today, like uh, in terms of politics, in terms of uh, things that are related to gender or religion or anything that um, that is slightly different than the mainstream media was not there in 2013. Not as much at least. That's right. why when we came in, we were we kind of a little bit of a breakthrough. You know, right. So you yeah. saw that there were gaps. Yes. Um, yes. But also that people like you were yearning for that conversation yes and, yes and to learn more about those things so yeah so tell us about how you got to that process you're a journalist mm-hmm. and were you who are you working for or were you um, yeah I, I started as a journalist for Jakarta Post many many years ago and then um, I moved to Straits Times I became their Indonesia correspondent well, I was in in a whole uh, newspaper industry for about 14 years so I was doing that and then I became a freelancer I, I wrote columns I did a lot of things I even taught yoga and I was doing a lot of uh, consultancy work. Um, my friend and I, Mahera Diani, we talked about starting a website. We were thinking about something like Huffington Post or something like that. But you know, you would need a lot of money for that. You need a lot of resources, which we didn't have, and we not we don't come from the business background. So, yeah. And then that's when the, we started thinking of going niche. We talked to a lot of people, and then somebody just told us, "Why don't you just come up with a women's web magazine? You know, a women website." 
and that's when I was oh no way I don't read women's publication not not the kind of things that are already in Indonesia anyway so um we just talked about it and then it just occurred to us why not just write for people who are like you who don't get to read stuff that you like in women's media you know mm-hmm. so that's how okay. it started right yeah. so the Huffington Post idea was to kind of have more political social commentary yes. really yeah critical that kind of thing. yeah yeah and then you went sideways to the women, but yeah. But what I'm guessing is that that was still central to to what you wanted to do, yeah. as well as those yeah, other countering topics. the narrative that is uh, that is being presented by the mainstream women's media. So yeah, and and you chose at that point too to uh, you, your background was in English language journalism, so mm-hmm. that was what you chose. Yeah, that language. Yeah, because um, both Hera and I came from that background. Hera used to work for uh, Jakarta Post as well. That in fact that's where we met because we wanted it to also have a reach that is wider than just Indonesian audience. Okay. Because of the issues uh, that we're carrying are pretty much issues that are universal and a mm-hmm. lot of it resonate among people who live in cultures like in Asia. We could probably go a little more, uh, reach a little more people than if we had just focused in Bahasa. We just published in Bahasa Indonesia. And resources wise, it was just the two of you? When we started, actually we started with three people. Okay. There was one other person, her name is Karima, but after a while uh, she left us. But yeah, we started with just the three of us. And did you know about web design and the whole digital thing? Um, not really. So we brainstormed, we met a lot of people, and we knew that we couldn't do this just us. We had to have to have somebody who developed this because I yeah. didn't want to have a, a blog set up. I don't want to okay. have a, a, a blog a template. template. Yeah. yeah. So we, we hired somebody. So that's where the initial capital went, having a designer to really design our logo go and you know to have a, a nice so that yeah. was important yes and then we started by curating writings from our friends we have friends who are writers who are not writers who are activists who who have you know very interesting life very interesting perspective that are not represented in this other media so mm-hmm. we approached them and they wrote us and we have dozens of stories before we even publish anything wow. we started by publishing once a week then but like five to six stories a week for a few months and then we realized that for better hits we should publish daily so, so tell me yeah. a little bit about the issues the topics that you cover well it's it's wide-ranging I mean definitely we are a feminist web magazine so a lot of the stories and because our tagline is even a slanted get women and issues so a lot of the stories are uh, related to women being women, the experience of womanhood. And I have to say, like nowhere in that title or anywhere would you know that this is an Indonesian oh, yeah. website, right? Yeah. Your, even yes. your URL does yeah. not contain the .id yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah. We just use code, that code. Mm. And a lot of people are uh, told us that they're surprised that this is actually an Indonesian yeah. Uh, media. Yeah. But yeah, so we cover a lot of things about women, um, a lot of it uh, related to restriction, like the uh, kind of narrative of the way women navigate this restriction and their the kind of the voices that are not being out there. Mm-hmm. For example, like tradition, gender restriction and uh, religion, religious related issues are very big among writers for Magdalene and readers. Mm-hmm. And then we have, of course, we have politics as well, uh, other social issues, just simple things, you know. And also we have, you know, other things like a more light, lighter stuff like on music or traveling and uh, health and beauty. Even we have a beauty column, but we subvert it, you know. Instead mm-hmm. of instead of articles that say it's like have a, a, a bikini body in five days or in a week or something, we we question fat diets, you know, or we question the 
the whole narrative of everybody is beautiful. You know, we look at it from the other perspective. Absolutely, you do. The writers are they writing in first person, so they're only yes, ones? yeah. A lot of yeah. them are personal uh, narrative essays. Mm-hmm. Some are more serious, more topical, more issue based. Mm-hmm. But we actually prefer it to be very engaging and and um to be a personal or person story, human story. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is yeah in tune again with kind of the women's magazine approach, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah, as you say, it is subverted because of the issues that that you cover. The most recent, most read piece on your website is a piece about the Dilba. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, we have a few uh, stories related to wearing a jilbab or headscarf. Uh, there are stories about women choosing to wear a jilbab, but also there are uh, increasingly more stories about women choosing to take off their jilbab. These are young women. How old are your readers? Uh, my, our readers is about 18 to 25. That's the biggest uh, chunk of mm-hmm. our readers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the second would be like 25 to 35. So, mm-hmm. you know, so. It's a lot uh, younger than when we started. Right, that yeah. wasn't who you would think would read, no, read it. No, no, no. Um, so a lot of them are uh, college students or people who just start working. So this story about Jilbab resonates a lot because, as you know, Indonesia is undergoing kind of growing conservatism and what they would, would say social Islamization. So parents have become a lot more strict to their kids and society have become a lot more judgy to young women. Mm-hmm. And so young women are, have to bear the brunt of this. Mm-hmm. And so they have started wearing jilbab a lot younger than say when I was growing up. When I was growing up, there are not that many women wearing, young women or girls wearing jilbab. How old? Now, like in their teens? Yeah, a lot of them when they start school, their parents make them or their schools make them wear them. So there, there's that type, there's that group of women who have to wear it because of family um, or peer pressure. And then there's women who also choose, young girls who chose to wear it because it was what they believe. But there comes a time when they realize it's no longer their identity and it becomes very oppressive to them. And it becomes a problem like emotional problem, uh, you know, um, identity problem. So it's it, i think it's really big because you have to wear something that you don't like that, that you don't think is you and you have you look at yourself in the mirror every day and you realize that you really hate it and, and for some this becomes like a big mental issue you know so the act of actually removing the jilbab is not only very empowering but it's also very threatening because people will become hostile to them. Even women who don't wear jilbab will see this as a betrayal of their religion. And so in a way, it's very courageous. It's very, very courageous for me because they are up against their own family, their own friends, their the people, and even strangers who probably just know them from Facebook or something would come up to them and say, you know, you are a bad woman. You should not do that. You're, you're betraying our religion. So this story is are there we're getting them we're getting women telling the stories they inspire other women or they make other women uh, realize that it's not just them who feel this and Mm -hmm. so i think it's the kind of viral inspirational stories that i look after of course these stories also touch the nerves of people who are conservatives who believe the other way who think this is actually bad so we get that sort of discussion quote unquote we get that sort of conversation or attacking us for for publishing it. Usually the most commented stories do. <laughs> if someone wanted to write an article for you in defense mm-hmm. of wearing the jilbab and, mm-hmm. and those, would you publish that? Yes, we have stories yeah. of women writing uh, about that too. Our standpoint is that women should have the choice to wear what they want, to be what they want, to wear what they want. 
you mentioned that you call yourselves a feminist publication, but that's mm-hmm. not how it was in the beginning, right? That's yeah. Not, that wasn't your realization yeah. from the start. Yeah, because in the beginning, we just set out to provide something that's good, like Goodread, because Hera and I came from journalism background, and all, that's all we know, writing good stuff, reading good stuff. So we never, we're never an activist, and we never tie ourselves to any kind of, you know, activism. But we both are feminists. We have lived, I know that I have lived myself as a feminist. I always believe that I am a feminist. But at some point in life, I thought that issue was over. But then, you know, the more I live as a journalist, this, you know, the kind of daily life that I face, I know that women, there are still issues about women and gender equality. So as we started and as we uh, progressed, a couple of weeks into it, we just realized one day I was just promoting it on social media and I was thinking of a, a word to explain us in simple like Twitter size uh, you know, to fit those 140, 140 characters yeah. or something and I, and I thought what are we and I said we're a feminist media so, so that's when I and I realized that and then the more I typed it I realized the more that's what we are and that's when I said we should just declare this own proudly. It. yeah own it yeah <laughs> and that was something that readers responded to Yes, yes. We have women coming up to us and said that we have turned them on to feminism and they never knew what feminism was or they have the kind of wrong idea, the the typical misperception of what feminism is. Yeah, which is interesting because in a way, could it also be seen that the women's movement, if you want to Mm -hmm. call it that in Indonesia, was failing somewhat Yes, yeah. to get that message through to this younger generation? Because it's it's become so much uh, (laughs) NGO-ized and they exist in their own silos, a lot of them. There's not enough conversation going around across whatever specialty whatever fields everyone's in to be a feminist you have to be either an academic or an activist and most of us aren't you know most of us just exist in our own you know different things we do uh, what we do but we want to be feminist and we believe in feminism so so this is the kind of platform that we provide and it's a feminism that is as you're saying embraces beauty and Mm -hmm. empowerment in all sorts of ways Mm -hmm. not in any prescribed activist way yes yeah and so that would that appeals to the younger generation yeah so do you think your readers have come to see themselves you know within a global sense not just you know related to indonesia yes definitely because there's a a lot of i mean the conversation now is so global you know we have become global citizens and in a way our readers many of them are because they speak english they probably read more stuff from uh, overseas so which is which is why i think providing something in english for them about indonesia about indonesian women indonesian issues are very important so they do exist in that global realm and the way feminism is being fed now is through celebrities and you yeah. know you have emma watson you have beyonce it's not always a, you know it's not all like all good and stuff but you know at least they get a taste of what feminism is and it gets them to think about it to ask questions i think that's good is there an equivalent figure in indonesia some kind of role model do you think well angun has become increasingly more um, uh, outspoken about feminism about her support for gender equality and even issues like lgbt and stuff like that so she may be the one yeah so how long was it before you discovered or there was a demand for indonesian language on your site and how did that happen Hmm. in 2014 we had the first of the really big and polarizing election the presidential election so we started writing stories on politics I started doing columns on politics and then people started writing and people said this should be translated to Indonesian because people need to read stuff like this 
So that's when we started translating some of our stories to Indonesian, and then we started accepting submission in Indonesian. It would have opened you up to a new yeah. type of yeah. Yeah. writer and reader. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 It it also connects us to different people as well, and it puts our names out there even more, you know. Yeah, so absolutely. and and also expose us to <laughs> true to more, I guess, threats. I would say, you know. Does that happen? Um, not so much. I do fear the backlash. Uh, you know, increasing conservatism would lead to censorship on yes. us. I mean, like knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But you know, there's a possibility of that because now people are so. Uh, overreactive about stuff. There's this girl who writes about pluralism on Facebook, for example. She's like junior high or high school student. And then she got blocked on Facebook. She was suspended just because the other side, the anti-diversity and whatever people, they reported her. So that is the type of thing that I could see happen. So I want to mobilize our followers and yes. our readers to know that when that happens, they better be on our side. So, yeah. You think it's inevitable? Yeah, but I really? hope not. Yeah. Okay. I hope not. Yeah. So there's the examples of people on Facebook. Are there any examples of digital media, like actual publications like yours, um, shutting down or being shut down? Not, not so far. Not yet? Yeah, not yet. Okay. But, you know, there's always efforts to clamp down on the media. They would probably link it to um, sexuality or there was a backlash against homosexuality, against LGBT last year. Yeah. And that led to some some groups being banned. So are you like you're registered as a publication officially? Yeah. Um, with the we are, we are a, a legal entity. We're a company because we don't really have we don't have like we used to. We have to be registered as mm-hmm. a media. We don't have that anymore. Okay. But we are in the process of registering with the I think the one person. Is there anything that you wouldn't? Publish like not in terms of issues, controversial issues or not. No, we Mm -hmm. like it to be as controversial as as critical as as they can be. But the only thing that prevents a piece of writing to be published is just that poor quality. Right, just not there. You know, not there yet. Yeah. So you haven't had any particular visits from censorship people or any official. No, No. (laughs) let's hope not. (laughs) And you think you're getting away with it? Why? Why are you getting away with it? Probably because we're in English, we're still yeah. small, we're still kind yeah. of flying below the radar. Yeah. So yeah, probably because of that. So there's a there is a there's a danger in becoming bigger of becoming more um, visible. Visible. Yeah. 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 So you're kind of at that point now. It's a bit yeah. of a tipping point. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, if you you know your visibility, as you say, with your mass support, that yeah. can be a vanguard. That can. Yeah. Be yeah, well. we, we hope that. Yeah. And what about your readers? Are they all Indonesians, do you think? Or in Indonesia? Um, or? <clears throat> what do you know? They are um, mainly Indonesians, they, and they are in Indonesia as well as overseas, so they're overseas Indonesians. There are also some uh, non-Indonesians, whether here or overseas as well, but still the large part of the Indonesian. And uh, women still make up a large part of it, but there are also increasingly more men readers, male readers, mm-hmm. as well as writers. Mm-hmm. And there is a straight men or gay men as well. Yeah, so. because you're obviously as feminists, you know, you're you're all about equality for everyone. Yeah, yeah, for because, all sexualities. Yeah, because we cover uh, LGBT issues pretty com- comprehensively, and we we are. I would say that we are the one of the favorite non-gay uh, publication that are off. Uh, the gay, gay communities, you know. Oh, I mean, they, they come up and tell That's us. Good. So I'm not, like, claiming for them. But yeah. um, so we get feedbacks like that, you know, because we cover issues. We don't, because I think uh, the Indonesian media are still so unfair when it comes to 
covering LGBT issues is still very moralistic or sensationalistic. So and we covered all aspects. Like we have one of the most read articles is this one called 10 Things You Don't Know About a Muslim Gay. So, and that has hundreds of comments, just things like that, presenting different faces of gay people, you know, that they can be Muslims and, you know, these are the things that people just don't have any idea because mm. they don't read it anywhere else. And is it a sustainable model that you've got happening at the moment? You mean business-wise? Yeah. Or? <laughs> if you want to exist in this level, yeah, it's sustainable. Mm. I mean, we all have, uh, Hera and I have day jobs. We have to, we still, so all the money still comes from our pockets. But we are in the process of looking for investors because we want to make it more commercially viable because I think if we don't get big enough, our voice is not out there enough. The part of what I see as this very small niche but very much necessary in media that provides the outside world with information yeah. about Indonesia yeah. that is varied, diverse mm-hmm. and yeah, comes from multiple yeah. perspectives. And I think if if you're an investor and I'm just and I'm not just selling things. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're an investor, you would see that this is the future. You can't just stick to you know, just stick with the media that, that thrive on fooling your readers or keeping your readers in a certain ignorance level, you know, you because your readers are becoming smarter and smarter. These young people, they want something good. They want something better. They want something that kind of validate their their views and their beliefs. And if all that, that are out there, just things that treat them as if they're just consumeristic simpleton, then they lose respect for the media for that. So I think if you're an investor and you see these opportunities, you know. Yeah, I I mean, I'd be in. (laughs) In terms of digital media, I mean, is Indonesia going all the way with digital media? Do you feel like it's like, as a whole, like it's becoming a sophisticated medium? Yeah, I I see it becoming that way. We have from the like franchise, like Vice, the BBC is very big in Indonesia now, big on the online thing. That's Violet, right. CNN Indonesia is yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. All, like all the yeah. big global players yes. have come yeah. in. Yeah, and then but we also have the local players. We have Kumparan, we have Tirto ID, we have some some new ones that um kind of like Magdalene in a way, but non it's not a kind of gendered thing. Yeah, it's not their issue. So you know, yeah. the print media is in their sense of fear. So yeah. it's um, what are the options? People are just going to read stuff on online or to see or watch stuff online. You know, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. so much choice. Tell us about the look of your magazine. Some criticisms that you get for that because it, you set out to mm-hmm. make a magazine for women mm-hmm. on women's issues, mm-hmm. but obviously you know it has expanded. Mm-hmm. To be much more than that, you know, I love it visually. It's just gorgeous. You know, you have beautiful illustrations, and you know, your use of color mm-hmm. is quite feminine. Yeah, so pink. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you know, I know that you've you've received some criticism for that. How do you yeah. respond to that? We have criticism. I, I mean, this is just a person questioning me. In in one event, a journalist asked me. Um, if you're a feminist media, how come your color is pink? Isn't that just kind should of... should be purple. <laughs> yeah. Or black, maybe, gothic, or something, you know. But So I said that, like, um, what if people just like, what if I just like pink? What if I think it's just a pretty color, you know? You know, we don't, we assign gender because of social construction, you know? So we have to leave that mindset, you know? We just have to appreciate things as they are and or, uh, detach ourselves from that whole construction of the, the gendered stuff, you know? It's, yeah, as I say, it's visually just gorgeous and the illustrations are really special and different. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how many people read your magazine? Approximately, we have a um, monthly page views of maybe 
uh, 1.2, 1.5 million. That's monthly. And that's not unique visitors. So considering that we do this organically, we don't mm-hmm. spend any money on marketing, on Facebook distribution mm-hmm. or anything like that. And do you think you'll keep going with the balance that you've got a little bit more English than Indonesian content or you just go where wherever um, the contributors take you? I think we would go if we have the choice, if we have the privilege, meaning that if we have like a real investor, we have some investment coming in, we mm. can take this bigger. We would like it to continue to be bilingual in that in the same way, probably 50-50. Mm-hmm. But we would also like to include a lot of more multimedia stuff, a lot of videos, probably podcasts. And, you know, like what you're doing. Yay. <laughs> so. And, you know, I, as you said, the fact that you're in English allows... Do you get contributions from outside sometimes? You, you yeah. know, on the religious issues, I think you might have mentioned to me earlier that Malaysian readers mm-hmm. contribute and respond to those yeah. particular yeah. issues yeah. as well. So it's yeah. kind of got this regionality. Mm-hmm. And we also have writers from outside. We have writers from uh, the US, from other countries, Malaysia. Yeah. So would you describe it as an activist publication? I mean, is that... It's not an activist publication because we also deal with stuff that are light and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say this is a kind of journalism with a cause. This is journalism with a cause. We have a cause, which is we want to promote gender equality, we want to promote values that promote tolerance and inclusiveness and just, you know, progressive values. Would you rebut anyone who came up and said, you know, these ideas are coming from the West? They're, they're oh, yeah, I would definitely rebut them because I would say that they haven't read it enough. They, they should read more Stuff. Congratulations because it's such a fabulous, fabulous magazine and I'm a real fan Thank and you so we'll much. link to it from the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Debbie. Devi Asmarani is the editor-in-chief and co-founder of feminist web magazine Magdalene. She's also a creative writing instructor at the Jakarta Post Writing Centre and an independent media and communications consultant for a range of organisations. She writes columns for local and international media. You can find her magazine at magdalene.co. In 2017, the Talking Indonesia podcast is co-hosted by me, Gemma Purdy, from Monash University, Dr. Dave McRae from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute, Dr. Charlotte Setijadi from the Institute of Southeast Asian Studies in Singapore, and Dr. Dirk Thompson from La Trobe University. Look out for a new Talking Indonesia podcast every fortnight. Catch up on previous episodes here, subscribe via iTunes or listen via your favourite podcasting app. Thanks for listening and until next time. Bye for now.